Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Good morning, Love Life. Last week, um, we started with changing beliefs and uh, really recognizing the importance of understanding core beliefs and how they... uh, literally direct our lives. Our image, our, our value of ourselves are tied to core beliefs. And uh, just so you understand, again, which you pretty much know this, is you're not born with beliefs. Do you understand that? You're not born with beliefs. What happens is you create beliefs through the, through the information that's being imparted into you in your family, through your family, through uh, school, whatever, whatever that input is coming into your life, that's where you build your belief system. And so you pretty much start your life believing what someone else believed. And in that, you have to evolve into that person that you desire to become, which unless you make a conscious decision, you'll continue in the pathway that started when you were young. And, you know, you'd be like, you know, most everybody. I'd never be like my parents. And you're exactly like them. Exactly. And I know people really hate to hear that, but, oh, well, (laughs) truth hurts, doesn't it? But the thing is, is you don't have to be. And, And I'm not saying your parents are bad or good. I'm just saying... That's the training, or it could, or it could have been someone other than your parents. It could have been your grandma or your, your auntie or whoever, whoever has made that most processed time. It could be uh, the, the nursery school they dumped you at, you know, since you were born and all you've been in is a nursery school and been through that, that babysitting most of your life and your parents worked. Well, I guarantee you, they are the greatest influence. And it's sad to hear that, but it's true. It's true. So what we have to do is we have to get to the place where we understand uh, our responsibility to check our beliefs and to change those beliefs if necessary. Uh, What you do is, is you look at your life and you see things in your life that you don't like. Those actions, those reactions, those those places where, you know, oh, there's Bob. He's such a scaredy cat. You know, or, or because that's his life. He's, you know, led by fear. And so in that, you recognize these specific traits that you have. And you, and, and you determine, is this, is this who I want to be? Because this is the problem. We don't think we can ask that question. And you'll hear people say, it's just who I am. This is just who I am. It, that is the biggest cop-out in the world. That's, a, that's someone saying, I don't want to change. I don't plan on changing. This is who I am. And so thank God he's given us the ability to change. I mean, it's all through his word, and that's what his expectation is for us to change for the better, change the good. Not change for religion, change for relationship. And that's what we should be doing anyway in life. We should have this constant process of change. We learn and we grow. And so we went over the core beliefs and the understanding of core beliefs, uh, how to recognize core beliefs, and that's the area where I, I am. And it, it's, 
it's establishing this is just me. And again, uh, when it's a negative comment about you, that can change. And that's what I want us to understand, that we're not stuck with who we are. It, again, the Bible's clear on what happens when you receive Jesus. It's very clear. The new creation, you become a new, new person in the sense of you have the ability to have a whole new identity, a new life. But most, most churches don't give you that option because they don't even understand it in the first place. So it's almost like a continuation, just throw Jesus in your life. Don't expect change because that's who you are. But God specifically in his word shows us how we change and the necessity for change. That's why it says you'll read different places in, in Paul's writings where he says, take off the flesh, put on the new man. Take off the flesh is a statement of take off the old patterns, the old ways, the old appetites. Take it off. But you can't take something off and that's it. You got to put something on. Amen. Can't run around naked. So you take off and you put on. And it's so important to understand that because it's the same as uh, habits. You want to break a bad habit, it doesn't happen by just stopping. There has to be replacement. Always. Everything. And, and people that have, you know, through their own strength and their own desire and their own ability have broken bad habits and created another bad habit. Even though they stopped, like, I, I've, I, I've known people that have stopped smoking that were thin. And then they became very, very overweight, but didn't smoke anymore. Isn't that interesting? So what happened is, is they got rid of a bad habit and started a new bad habit. So we have to understand how we are created, recognize that, and realize it has to be replacement. Romans 12, 2 says, renew the mind. The renewing the mind in the Greek language would be a remodel, not a teardown. Not where you blow it up and a brand new house appears. That's not how renewal happens. Renewal happens by looking at your life and find this part of me is leaking. This part of me has, uh, has squeaks and cracks. This part of me, and you look at the areas that you know need to change and you remodel them. You tear out that old part and you put in new parts. But you don't tear down the house. Everybody got that? You don't tear down the house. So <clears throat> what we do is we see the truths about how to, how to have change and how to experience that change. I gave you three master keys to change, all right? Three master keys to change your beliefs. Number one is, is, is your story really true or a false truth? That means you have to look at life because we're all living life based upon truth, our truth. That doesn't mean it's the truth, it's our truth. Everything, how you perceive life, how you live life, is based upon a truth you believe. We all got that? Everybody understand it out there? We all live these truths. But the key is, is to look at these truths that we live by and determine, is it really the truth? And we only can get the truth in the Bible the word of God. 
This is where we're going to, because see, I, I wouldn't pull this up if we weren't talking about being followers of Jesus, because this gives us the opportunity for a new life. This does. Now, you can talk about anything in life that has the same practical process. Uh, you want to be better at something or have um, become more successful at something, you start immersing you in that information. You take that information, you start putting it in your life and using that information. You have a transformation process that takes place. Y'all see that? That's everything in life. It operates that way. Or you just do life the way it is with no change whatsoever, and you always have what you always did have. Majority of everybody on this earth operates that way. That's why super high percentage of people that want change don't have change. New Year's resolutions, want change, don't have change. They might start off a good week, but they quit. Majority, everybody quits. And there's a reason why, and it's because that's in our nature. You want change? You can have change. But it can only change if you change. That means there has to be an aggressive action on your part to become different, to become new. I mean, listen, I've been in, I've been the Christian seat. I've been in the Bible colleges. I've been, I've been in that position where you're getting information, but not the information that's required for change. You're hearing Bible story, Bible information, Bible history, you know, Bible news. But it isn't giving you the necessary tools for change. So each year and every year is the same thing. And everybody's the same way. And there's no victory. There's no success. It's the same old, same old. And I've been there. And, and it's something where, you know, you, you're struggling and going through this, this Christian life that in the Bible has such different revealings through its word that you're like going, where is this compared to this? And that's what I want us to see because if we're going to get to truth, man, life is life can be living large. But we've got to get this stuff in us. We're going to rob ourselves of this great life we can have right now. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. I, that's why I've come here. I've come to... To, to loose you into a life that has no boundaries in it. And I know that's what, you, it, it, I know in your seat, you're like, I, I want that. And then there's always, but, but. And that's what we do with a lot of scripture. We always throw in the but. I know the scripture, I know the Bible says this, but. I know I'm supposed to be this way, but you don't know my wife. You don't know my husband. You don't know my boss. You don't know my kids. You don't know my neighbors. And we always have the but that wipes out truth. A big growing part of my walk with Jesus was when I came to the understanding that change doesn't happen overnight, but it's a process. It's the same as everything in life when you are going through a journey of learning whatever. 
You just don't go to calculus class one day and you get calculus. I got it now. It doesn't work that way. You have to build a foundation. And on that foundation, you start building upon that foundation. And as you all know, you can't go to calculus or algebra or geometry if you can't follow through with one plus one equals two. So the journey to these greater things had an elementary foundation. Right or wrong? That's truth. But we, we eliminate that. And we move into the, I need to be here. We forgot that you've been processing this journey and you've been doing your ABCs and one, two, threes. And you've gotten through them. So now you can go to the next level, but you're going to have to go to the next level if you want change. And I know that's what we all want. We're, uh, hopefully, we're all working for change. And I hope that you continually work for change. Otherwise, you're just existing in life. That's all you're doing. Like I said in the beginning, y'all getting older. You get it through waking up and breathing. Can't stop it. So while you're on this earth, why not take advantage of what Jesus has given us, the ability, the ability to not only see change, but to experience it. And that's what I want us all to understand. The second thing is, is you've got to leave your old story behind. You've got to leave the old story behind. You've got to replace it with new truth. Old story's got to go. Old story's got to go. It's time to put in new truths. You have to rewrite your storyline. Rewrite your life. And that starts by tearing that page out. Let's insert this page. And it starts with, once upon a time, I woke up Sunday morning and went to love life. And, and it just starts working. And what would you do from there? Well, I heard a message. And the word of God was clear to me that my, my dreams can be enlarged. Enlarged. That doesn't, that's not a word, is it? My dreams can be greater. My journey can be clearer. And all of a sudden, you start building upon today. Not yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow ain't coming. It's not here. Today, right now, today. Amen? So we have to leave our old story behind, replace it with new truths. Key number three, repeat the new truth back to yourself. Meditate. Meditate. The Hebrew word for meditate is to murmur or mumble under your breath. A consistent, revolving process of thought. I can do this. I can do it. The word of God is very clear. I can do that. So that means you don't have to be, you know, in Costco or Safeway going, I can do this. I can do this. I'm meditating on God's word. Oh, I'm going to do all things through Christ. You don't have to do that. All right? That, that's not a good testimony. That's a crazy person in Costco or Safeway. That's why meditation is something that's under your breath. And y'all know how to do it. It's when the boss, you know, said, I need you to do this. You're like, going, yeah, you should do it. But he didn't hear it. And that's, uh, no, I mean, that is literally the Hebrew word for that. Not the negative part, but to under the breath speak words. 
And what that is, is what we do all the time. We do it all the time. We talk to ourselves all the time. We think all the time concerning ourselves. And so what we're doing is, is we're, we're changing just the subconscious process of doing that to a conscious process of, I'm going to specifically pinpoint what I want to change and what I want to see happen in my life. And by doing that, you're going, listen, I'm telling you, the beliefs are going to start to, to be built within yourself. The confession's going to come forth and the action's going to follow. It will happen. But like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. That's what's going to help us all at as far as today's message. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. I'm going to read from 11 through 13. This is a message Bible. It is so special. I read this to the, um, the teen uh, interns this morning. I mean, not this morning, but yesterday. And I was sharing with them some things about life and just my experience in life, but just the place where they can understand that there are decisions that they have to make and they can look at their own lives in the areas of the, like the, the power of friends and the, actually the control of what friends can do in a life and how it's important to choose right friends. And I showed them in scripture, broke it down in, in the Greek language as far as making them see a, a clearer picture of the empowerment of friends or the destructive connection of friends. And all of them understood it. Everybody understand, can understand the time when you were, everything was good because that's the direction your friends were. And then you got around some different people and everything went downhill. And it's amazing, I, I was sharing, I was telling them how it's amazing how everybody believes they're going to change the bad person. Right. And these are Christians. They talk trash all the time. I, I always am trying to get people to understand when they come up to me and say, yeah, but I love them. Yeah, but they don't know Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter. I love them. I'll change them. And I'm going, car wreck ain't going to happen. <laughs> and they get so offended and mad at me. But they don't understand that it's not me saying that. It's what God said. I mean, no, God said it. Not, I didn't write it. He said it. He said, don't be deceived. This is what's going to happen. And then I explained to him the process of how it happens. And it's the same thing with life. It didn't happen overnight. It says bad company corrupts. Corrupts is the Greek word where we get our term or understanding of rust. Does rust happen overnight? Anybody know anything about rust? It takes time, doesn't it? It starts by a weakness in the metal, water, any moisture. And if not treated, it starts breaking down the metal. And you can have rust for a while, not even... No, it's there or affecting you, but ultimately it starts breaking where it starts becoming weaker. The metal becomes weaker and all of a sudden it crashes because of the corrosion. That's what the language says. Bad company takes a process, but it's going to destroy you. It's not, it could be, or no, you could have the position to win. No, you won't. 
It doesn't work that way. And the reason why it doesn't work that way is because when you're establishing that type of connection in your life, you're not positioning yourself in the strength position. You're positioning yourself in the sameness position, which means you've become down to their level. You already lost the battle already. And that's why people, it's, it just amazed me how people fight for the right to be dumb. Okay. So here it says this, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. He says, Paul says, I ain't doing this. It's you. And I love how everybody loves to point a finger at someone else. No, it's you that's doing this. No one can make you feel. You feel. Don't, don't use that because it is unbiblical and psychologically wrong. Can't. Feelings come through your thoughts. Now, can someone have in your own personal life a, a position of power in how you process thought? Certainly, if you allow it. See, I won't even allow to go to that position where, no, they're, they, it's, they go, Ooh, and it's magical. No. It's you hear and believe. That's it. So your emotions are completely tied to your thoughts. You can't say, you made me think. No, no, no. You thought. You concluded. But no one can make you think. Listen, let me just flip this into another way. If that was possible, y'all would be perfect. Because I'd make you think good. I'd make you think holy. I'd make you think. Man, I'd make you think. And then it'd be all awesome. I tried. It doesn't work. Doesn't work. So he says, we didn't fence you in. The smallest you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Man, that's powerful. I also would like you to understand something. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. They were the, wacky, the wackiest, carnalist, super spiritualist church all in the Bible. They were so spiritual and they were filled with sin. Isn't that amazing? A crazy, crazy church. And here Paul is talking to them, these crazy Christians, and he's saying, you need to live bigger. Your minds are small. And it's because it's your way of thinking. It's your way of thinking. Don't blame us. It's your way of thinking. Isn't that interesting? So he's telling them, you're restricting yourself. You're not restricted by us. You're restricting yourself. Everybody say, say this. I am restricting 
myself. Don't say that. You are restricting me. No. You are restricting yourself. Can't blame anyone. It's you. Amen? That smallness you feel comes from your beliefs. Let's change them. Let's change them. No one in here should think small of themselves. No one, no one in here should be devaluing yourself. No one in here should have a, a cheap self-image. You're a child of the Most High God. You're his son or daughter. And y'all know if you, it, listen, if you just, it, it's, let's say you're, you're still a teen and your parents dropped, you know, dropped you off in their, you know, in their Maserati or their uh, Ferrari off the mountain that you live off of Scottsdale. Now think about that. All because of you were born with those parents. And you're experiencing their life because that's where you were born. And so you get the benefits from that family. God's just trying to get you to understand the same thing. You think a king's kid is going to walk around thinking, ooh, I got to go shopping at Kmart. I hope they stay open. A king's kid, is that what's going to happen? No, they're not. They're not going to do that. God's wanting you to see yourself truthfully. And that means you're no longer part of that old family. You're part of a new family. And a new family requires new info. Amen? New info. So what we do is we look at life and go, okay, what I am living in life is what I believe. It's everything I'm experiencing based upon what I believe. That's why people can go through different complications, I mean, same complications, but have a different experience in that complication, everybody in here. You can go through the same operation. One can be almost dying and, and be sick for months, and the other one can come out the next day going, okay, let's go. How come? It, it's, it's because of beliefs. It's because of how you're seeing, how you're perceiving life through your eyes. Some people can have a cold that lasts two weeks. Others, it's like an hour. What's going on? It's just how you see, how you perceive, how you're experiencing life. And if you have a, uh, uh, this mindset of failure or the victim mentality, everything negative is always prolonged in your life. Everything. Everything. I, I want to change that. I, I don't want anyone in love life living that way. Now, you might have experienced this your whole life, but listen, I can tell you what I do and we do here. I don't care. We don't, we don't want that to be your tomorrow. So we're not going to expect it today. That was actually really good. <laughs> I'm going to bring this information to you, and hopefully you're going to get hold of it. But don't blame me if you don't, because I'm not 
teaching you a lie. I'm not holding anything back. I want you to live the greatest life. I want you to have the greatest, the greatest life, the greatest relationships, the greatest marriages, the greatest families, the greatest everything, the greatest. Where people look at you and go, that's, that's an example. That's an example. Are you guys hearing me? That's what we want. That's what we want. Mark 11, 20, 21. This is a story about the fig tree. Jesus was with his disciples, and they're walking down a road, and he's hungry. He sees a fig tree afar off. This is the, the story in general. He sees a fig tree afar off. His stomach is growling, and he goes, you know, I'm going to get some figs. He goes to the fig tree. There's no figs there. Now, to understand theology of, that, of, this, of this story is, is Jesus is looking at a tree that should have figs. So understand that because people can take the word and, you know, point Blake and they don't get it because they don't understand the language or the context or the history that this is all written in. So when he looks at that fig tree, he recognizes it has specific leaves for figs, but there are no figs on that tree. In other words, it ain't doing what it's supposed to do. It wasn't created not to produce figs. So when he goes up to that tree and he sees those figs, he goes, he curses the fig tree. Curses it. And they walk away. Now remember, his disciples are with him. They're, they're watching this, this, this training 24-7. And so they're seeing Jesus, but they're not paying attention. And that's an issue. He chose them. They chose to follow him. But it wasn't just to go for a walk. It was to disciple, be apprentice, to be a learner. And so Jesus does that. They walk by and, you know, they don't see no tree go and die. So you know in their heads, you know because you read about these guys. You know in their heads they're like going, whoo, Jesus missed that one. Wow, that's the first time I've seen them miss it. You might be thinking, they wouldn't do Oh, yes, they would. They were good at doing all this kind of stuff. Because when they came back and they saw that the tree did die, Peter went, oh, look, Jesus, it worked. Why would you say that if you didn't think it worked the first time? That's what happened. You know, Peter was like going, wow, maybe he overshot the tree. Who knows? Bad shot. And he did. He looked and he goes, look, it worked, it worked. You know, inside he's probably feeling good about himself. Good. Man, I thought Jesus was missing it. I thought he was missing. I thought he was losing it. But no, it worked. Yay. And you know what he's doing? He's probably thinking, Jesus should probably go, oh, gosh, I'm so glad. Aren't you glad, Peter? I thought I screwed up. But what does he do? He doesn't even pay attention to what Peter's saying. And that's where we're at right now. Peter goes, the fig tree you cursed, it withered away. And Jesus answered. <laughs> I love that. Jesus, there was no question. You guys hear a question there? Is this the fig tree you cursed, Jesus? There is a question. And Jesus answered. Yep, it is. But no, Jesus is answering the problem of life. They're answering the problem of Peter. He's answering them in their minds of what they've been screwing around with. And now he answers and he says, have God faith. 
Most of your translations are wrong translation because they're going to say this, have faith in God. Nowhere in the original language does it say that. Nowhere. It's not there. It has have God's faith or have the God kind of faith. That's the definition. That's the translation. Not have faith in God. That is not at all in the language. It's amazing how many times in Scripture that this has to be fixed. But remember, Scripture in original never has to be fixed. Translations do. Because translation is translated by religious people, denominational, that have specific viewpoints of who God is. In translation, it has to line up with their viewpoints. And that's why you can get a lot of different words that are translated in a weaker sense than the strongest one because it leans more toward what they believe. Just so you understand that. That's why you can read the Bible and get screwed up. It's, it's just true. So it's have God faith, which makes sense because if I'm wanting my boys to grow up, I'm not going to want them to constantly look to me and say, have, have faith in me. In other words, i got to do everything. I want them to have my faith, my belief. I want them to grow and mature and walk in that authority, but not expect me to do everything. I know some parents like that, but you're messing your children up. They're, they're literally going to have ruined lives. You have to train your children to be able to get to the position where they believe. They're standing on their faith. But if you're their God, well, let's see how good that works. Let's see how good that works. Because I can tell you right now, 100%, it don't work. It's always a crash and burn. He says, have God's faith. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says, wait, what do you use? Whoever. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Now, screaming outside because he's talking to people at Safeway. He said whoever. He didn't say Christians, born-again people, those that only love me, those that follow me. No, he said whoever. Oh, my gosh. Where'd this message get lost? Where's this message? See, when we're talked about in Scripture, we're talked about as salt and light. We're talking about revealers. We're influencers. Well, how do we reveal an influence? We reveal an influence by getting the word of God, going to people that, quote, don't deserve it, and showing them what's available to them right now. That's a freak out for people because religion goes the other way. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to quit. You're going to have to stop. Then and only then can you come in. And that's not even in the Bible. That's not what Jesus teaches. That's what the new covenant's about at all. It's right now. He already died for you. Let's get on with this thing. Yeah, but don't I have to take off this Satan shirt? Don't I have to, you know, get rid of my tattoos? Don't I have to quit, you know, this? And don't I have to stop cussing? Well, yeah, if you're a religion church, you've got to do all that. Hair's too long, hair's too short. Dress too short, dress too long. Not enough makeup, you're wearing makeup. I can keep going down the line. Just 
music's too loud, music's too quiet. You got too many instruments. You got you you shouldn't have anything but an organ. You got an organ. Should just be a harp. Should be a fat angel with wings playing it. We can go on and on and on through the history of church. Oh, we can be a gathering of believers together that follow Jesus and we're getting instruction to be successful for Monday. We can do it that way or we can do it the church way. I, I, I've done it. I've done it both ways. I, I, I'm, I'm completely 100% sold out to life. And life eliminates the religious actions and ways. It does. We got to be free. Amen. And anything that's tied to rules, regulations, law will not produce freedom. I like what scripture says about the law. It says, if you fail in one, you're guilty of all. And people that are religious, they like to love, they love to boast about how, how holy they are. But you know there's a fault in them. You know there's a screw-up. And once the screw-up's revealed, you can also go, oh, by the way, all that other stuff is gone. Mrs. Holy, Mr. Holy. It don't work that way. But see, most, most super spiritual religious people, they're ignorant of Scripture anyway. It goes by this way I feel, this way I think. You know, you know how they say, you know, it's in the Bible. Where? It's somewhere. I've heard it. That's, that's what you're going to hear. I'm just telling you. Moving right along. I know no one's in here feeling guilty right now. For surely I say to you, whoever, whoever says to this mountain... What are they saying? Whoever says to the mountain, just, hey, how's it going, Mr. Mountain? No, he, he's going to tell you what to say. Be removed, be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes. Ever say, but believes. That those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. Two different words for pray, by the way, but let's go move on. Believe that you received them and you will have them. That is a, that, that is a, True scripture and a true understanding of what Jesus said concerning belief and receiving in that belief in the area of prayer. Right there. Red letters. Now think about that. Now, there have been crazy teachings on this subject. Most of the teachings on this subject aren't crazy. Just crazy people are changing the subject. So what happens is, is it's very clear what Jesus is saying. Even his words make it clear. But what people do is go, with that statement, say this. Well, I can just believe I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. See, I didn't become a millionaire. I said I'm a millionaire. How come I'm not a millionaire? I want a Ferrari. I want a Ferrari. I want a Ferrari. Love Ferrari. Love Ferrari. Ferrari. I don't believe it. I believe it. Where's it at? Where's it at? I don't got it. And that's what they do. And you hear it all the time. And that is to contradict or attack the words of Jesus. 
but they don't want to say that because they want to focus in on people that are saying, if I pray and believe with expectation, I will receive that. The problem is, is in that belief, it has to be tied to his words. Because you can make that statement with no connection to his words. I want a new husband. I want a new husband. I want, I want a new wife. I want a new wife. I want a new house. I want a new house. You're not even working a job. I want a new house. I'm believing for that house over there in, the, in Scottsdale. I'm believing for that house in North Phoenix. Oh, I'm believing for that five-bedroom house. And you're a single person. And, and you, you just all you're doing is you taking that and acting like it's some magical formula. But that's not what he said. Let me show you what he said. When you operate in an area of belief, there is going to be no doubt. There's a position of no doubt. In other words, you're speaking and you, I know this. That doesn't mean you're not going to be tried or tested or, or a thought come in. That doesn't mean you don't, you're not founded in no doubt. It means it's an attack on your belief. There, oh my gosh. I have to really have a long time to go through this whole process. But the thing is, it's, it's like when the word makes it very clear, you're healed. You, are, you have a covenant of health. But then you feel an attack. You feel a runny nose. You feel a sore throat. But you believe you're healed. There's, there's a contradiction of scripture right there. The contradiction is this is truth and here is this truth. And they're butting heads. And we go, well, gosh, I must be doubting because I feel this. No, it's not how it works. The doubt is, is are you doubting the truth? Because of what? Because of the situation or circumstance. That's the issue at hand. But see, again, listen, so many crazy teachings, so many crazy listeners have really screwed up a lot of this faith stuff. And I know a lot of faith people have screwed up their own faith messages just because they make it so super spiritual. But Jesus is talking to whoever. Do you understand whoever? That's the loser in life. That's the winner in life. It's whoever. Whoever hears his word and says, if I can believe, I can say to this mountain, if it's something I believe, it's something that I, I am completely sold out on. Well, to move a mountain, it's going to have to be a big belief in why. But I'm not questioning that belief. All I'm saying is, is Jesus said it will happen. If that's the place, it's the position you're in. Now, the mountain being used is very interesting because it is the largest thing on planet Earth. So that means, what are you dealing with in life that seems to be large that looks like I can't overcome this because that's what a mountain would be right and he's saying no you can you can move that mountain problem away it can be changed it can be fixed I, I just I love the word in truth because what he says he says this he goes if you don't doubt in your heart but believe those things that you say, they will be done. Now watch this. I say to you, whatsoever things you ask. Everybody say ask. Okay. 
that is, a, that is a word for prayer in the Greek language. It is the word aiteo. Aiteo is a communication to God with authority. It's used for the word demand. It's a position of I am secure in what I'm asking for. You ever gone to a neighbor's house and, and would like something out of the refrigerator or out of their cupboard? Hey, can you give me one of those? Now you can do that, are you? No, because it's not your authority. It's not your place. It's not your house. But in your own house, you have a different way of communicating, don't you? You know it belongs to you. You know it's your family's. You know you can't. You get it and you take it because that's your position. We're not going to make dinner at my house so my kids sit in the in the living room going, can we please have supper too? Please, please, can we eat supper too? That, wouldn't that be ridiculous? Well, that's how most Christians sound. In your own house. And what Jesus is saying is, is you have to carry a different attitude. He says, what things you speak in confidence I know, God, you said this belongs to me, so I come to you knowing that this belongs to me. That's aiteo. That's a prayer. And God loves that, by the way. God loves that attitude. Did he not say, come boldly into my throne? He didn't say tiptoe. He didn't say, quietly come in. Don't make a noise. He said, come boldly. Come walking right into my throne. Man, that's unheard of in, in the Old Testament because you get near anywhere near the Holy of Holies. We're not talking about where, he, where his presence, real presence is sitting, the way he's talking. We're talking about representation of it. And you're going to die except one person can only do it. And now he comes on the scene after Jesus does what he does and says, come boldly. Come boldly and sit on my lap. Plop. What's up, Dad? Whoo. Pretty powerful. So he says, whatever things you come in confidence. It's, it's, again, the Greek word demand or command. You can't command God nothing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying come with the attitude of you know it belongs to you. Then he says, when you pray. So he's saying in the prosukame is, is the word for prayer there. And that literally means face-to-face -face close relationship. A face-to-face -face close relationship. So you put that together, it makes sense. You're going to the Father who you love, and you know he loves you, and he's all about you, and you're all about him. And now he's, you, you go to your dad and you say, I know you gave it to me. I know it belongs to me, so I'm believing exactly this is what is mine. And the Father's going, you got it. That's yours. You know it. That's what that scripture means, by the way, just so you know that. He says, when you pray, believe. Everybody say believe. believe. Believe that you received them. Is that present, future, or past tense? Past tense. So see, what are your prayers like? If we're going to God and we're believing, that instant is when we receive. But we're not doing that. We're waiting for something to be seen, test, taste, sight, smell. And that's not how God works. God works through the process of faith. 
So what we have is, is we have Jesus making, making a statement about fig trees and mountains. Now, why is that important? Because he's talking about beliefs. He's saying, listen, when you get to the place of understanding what rightfully belongs to you, when you get to the place where you see information that is something that you should be living by, living in, you then can create that belief with the authority and communication tied to this word, tied to this information. It's yours. It belongs to you. But again, it's a process. And that process is hearing the word, hearing the word, and operating in the word. You guys got this? Hearing the word and operating in the word. So these beliefs, he said, whosoever means that everybody, there, there's no restrictive tone in the ability to move a mountain. Is that amazing? I... I I've been in church a long time, and I don't know how many years you'd hear powerful statements, but it was always restricted for the super holy or the pastors or the leaders. You guys, you know, you'll have to come under our anointing, our anointing to receive this stuff. They can't even say anointing right. And that's not what Scripture teaches. I love this about the Lord. It's so awesome. The Word of God is so great. If you just connect with it, you'll realize that, man, this is like the greatest thing. There is nothing greater than this. The information just frees you. The information matters for Monday. The information I read in here, it's like, gosh, man, I can be great in anything. Because this Word of God's telling me, it's showing me of what I'm created to do, what I'm created to be. All of a sudden, you, your viewpoint of life, and you fill in the dots of what life is, the issues you're dealing with, the, the work you're at, whatever, the dreams you have, and you're now looking through them with a different attitude of, hey, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. My life's limitless. That's what you want you to understand. Limitless. Amen? Again, we're not born with these preset beliefs at all. We were, we were, these were imparted into our lives growing up. It's time to get different impartation, okay? Different impartation, different information, and we'll change our belief system. It's got to happen. The key to changing the belief or the position of changing the belief is recognizing there's two areas that rob you. One area that is the greatest area of robbing you of change is procrastination. Right there. I taught on this last Sunday about beliefs. And I can guarantee you, majority of everybody in here didn't follow through with anything in changing their beliefs. I'm not saying that to be mean. It's a fact. You all know it to be a fact. So what happened? Is it church stuff? So you're just hearing? Because, see, this is the issue with followers of Jesus. We hear information. We hear stuff. But that's it. And then we go out and we just, you know, let's go eat. Go to Denny's. We got done early. And, and we're not even allowing this stuff to take 
hold in our heart, which good ground requires work. And so this information lands on hard hearts, hearts with weeds, hearts that are rocky soil. And we got it emotionally. We're in church going, yeah, praise the Lord. Woo, woo, woo. But Monday, it's nowhere to be found. And so, you know, we have bad days. And we go through bad weeks and months. And then we do this. It's church. It's church's fault. It's because you don't do this. You, no, it's because of you, dude. Completely you. Because I'll, I'll stand in front of anybody and say, let's talk what I teach. Let's see, am I, you know more than me. You, you, this information is not lining up with this. Let's come on. Challenge me in this. If, if I'm the one that, it's, if I'm the one at fault, but y'all know what's going to happen, nothing. Because people want to blame their problems of no change, no desire to change, or push for change, and they want to blame someone else. Time to grow up. Time to grow up. You want success? Then it's time to fight to the finish. It's time to move for it, push for it. But quit pointing fingers. People, listen, this day and age, you know, it's nobody has time for this kind of stuff. Nobody has time for this. I don't have time for this. You're lying. It, and this isn't a statistic that could be. This is a fact. Everybody in the U.S. that has social media spends 2.3 minutes, two hours and three minutes every single day on it. And I guarantee you can convince everybody you don't have time. You're just too busy. And I know the people that right now are going, I don't spend two hours. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. To get a figure like that, you got to be Mega over and mega under, but it's, I mean, you got to be under and over, but it's going to be close to that, that picture. So you can go, well, I don't spend two hours, you know, maybe an hour and 30 minutes every day. Can you imagine what you can do in an hour or 30 minutes? Most of us can't because we laced a lot of time. But we don't want to see that. We don't want to see ourselves in our homes on Facebook or Instagram just strolling or watching our 40th YouTube or spending three hours on TikTok, which I don't know how anybody could spend a minute on it. But anyway, the point is, is that's, that's a reality. And how do we know these are facts? Because they are keeping record of your life every second of it. Every second, they know everything about you. Every second. If you're on that stuff, everything about you. Everything. And they push and manipulate and do everything. It's how they work. But the point is, is these are things that we don't want to really see. We'd rather just have an excuse. I don't have time. I, Pastor, you're wanting me to do this. I just can't find the time. No, you all, everybody, I'm telling you right now, everybody has it. It's just not the priority. But it will be the priority when everything crashes and you want to blame everybody else. And that's, listen, been doing this a long time, it's the same thing. Same way people don't change. 
in the sense of it's the nature. There isn't no new, you know, excuse under the sun. It's been the same. It's always the same. So what do you do? Well, as a follower of Jesus, you follow Jesus. And you say, I take responsibility for myself. If I wake up and my walk is cold, I can't blame pastor. I can't blame my wife. I can't blame my husband. I can't blame my kids. You got to look at yourself. When Timothy ran to Paul and said, Paul, man, they messed up. These older, these older Christians are ripping on me. And, and man, my stomach's so turned. And it's, I'm not feeling good, Paul. And it's just bad. And it's just it's ugly. And I'm getting sick. And Paul said, Timothy, you got to remember where you came from. Let's stir that thing up within you. He didn't say, I hear you, buddy, those bad people. They're just so bad. No, he didn't do that. He said, Timothy, you got to start fanning that flame within you. Because if you don't, you're going to stay cold. You're going to stay cold. It's amazing how many Christians react with no knowledge of Scripture. And they just want to react like other reactors that are headed down the same path of no fruit in their lives. But they all, it's the same old, same old. Well, what you do is you put the brakes on and say, you know what, enough's enough. I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm not going to not do something. This is what I believe can help everybody in here in anything has to do with change. Seven minutes. That's what I've come up with because seven is a number of perfection. And seven minutes, anybody can do anything for seven. Well, not hold your breath for seven minutes, but most everything for seven minutes. And if there's areas that you're weak in, no matter what, I believe you can transform your life and change your life with a seven-minute mindset. If you know you need to input more, you know you need to read more, if you know you need to spend time with God more, if you know you need to exercise more, if you know you, whatever it is, seven minutes. Start your watch, time, whatever you do, seven minutes, and do it for seven minutes and stop. At the end of seven, just stop. Don't go past seven, just stop and do that. Continue to do that. What's, what you're going to see is you're going to see a habit started by doing something small, by doing something attainable, doing something simple. And by doing that, you're creating what you did earlier on in your life in creating a habit. It didn't start big. It started with small increments, and you were faithful in those small increments. What you're going to see is you're going to see things start opening up, and you're going to see start, things start happening. To where the seven minutes, you even, don't even have to time yourself because you know how long seven minutes are. Pretty soon you're past seven. You're moving into other, you're, you're moving into 10, 12, 15, 20 minutes, whatever. The point is, is if you focus in on, I will do this read for seven minutes. I will do this run for seven minutes. I will walk fast for seven minutes. I will exercise for seven minutes. Seven minutes are up. Boom. Okay, I'm done. And not feel bad, not feel, not feel anything, but I accomplished the seven minutes. And then the next day, do it again. I, listen, you are creating actions tied to a belief, no matter how small it is, it doesn't matter, tied to that belief that ultimately you, your body, is going to believe. And once you create that, it believes from that point on. That's how you create a habit. 
And it, you continue that way, and all of a sudden, ultimately, it's what you do. It's what you do. But we try to, I'm going to work out, and all of a sudden, we go in for an hour workout, and we're going, heck no. I'm going to start running today, and we, we think we got to run a triathlon. But we do things that, that are doomed for failure, but it doesn't matter because this is what we believe we have to do. And I'm telling you, it, it's not how we create good habits or bad habits. Small, small, small. So do a seven-minute, seven-minute, time yourself, seven-minute, seven-minute. And watch what happens. If you stay faithful, I'm telling you, you stay faithful. Now, what is the second important thing? Start. We don't wait. You start. You do it. And then you don't quit. You don't quit. Paul talks to the church in Corinthian again. He says, hey, you started something good. And now you quit doing it. Get back to what you knew was the right thing. He says, get back to what you knew was the right thing to do. You knew it was right. That's why you started doing it. I remember the different times where, you know, eating or working out, where you're going and going, and it's good, and you know it is, but all of a sudden, a few things come in, you know, uh, whatever. It could be something that's giving you a couple of delays, three-day delay or whatever. All of a sudden, it's weird how it's not as simple as it was before. Why? Because that break of action leans toward the area of the flesh that wants to go, ah, do we have to? What do you mean three days ago you were going, let's do this. Now the flesh is like going, ah, do we have to? I don't know, man. That other tostada looks good. And all of a sudden, it's everything that you had victory over because you opened the door of delay, opened the door. Something happened. It's amazing how it's not the same anymore. What is that? It's called warfare. And recognize it because it's going to be there. And what you have to do is you overcome it like the beginning. Oh, no, we start and start right back up. I'm telling you, when you do this, you're not tied to the concept of rules and regulations. Those are tied to failure. And every time you hear the word failure, you'd rather not even get involved with this story. You don't want to get involved with this. Why? Because failure, you've seen it, heard it too many times. So it's better not to start. But what I'm saying is, as you get to the place where, let's say, for instance, you, you had this workout regimen and this program, and it was good, and you were filling it. But then you guys went on vacation, and you weren't able to do it now. And, you know, fast food is easier than anything else because you're on vacation. So the pounds start sneaking back in. Sleeping in later. Going to bed later. Not sleeping as good. You're a different time zone. So all of a sudden, you're coming back, and you're like, what happened? What happened to that other person? Well, life. Now, what, what do we do? We go like this. I got engaged right back where I was before. You're going to get hurt. That's what you don't do. What you do is you do when you first started again. Let's get this ball rolling again. And you slowly engage again. It's that's the problem. Again, rules and regulations, it's failure. I was working on 90 minutes. i got to go into it 90 minutes again. You're going to fail. You're not even going to want to finish, and you already got a quitting attitude. Oh, man. I'm not doing three sets of 10. I'm going to do two sets of four. Why? Because you're, you're like, I can't. I'm not going to do it. Because a rule and regulation will always rob you of freedom. 
So you go into it with, I'm going to work out and I'm going to start. And I'm just going to do what I, what I feel comfortable and feel like doing. And I do it. And maybe it's 20 minutes when it was an hour before. So what? I'm good. Feel good. And the next time, all of a sudden, it starts increasing in, increasing. It starts increasing. Pretty soon you're back to or better than before. And you're like going, okay, now I get it. It's just recognizing that this body, this flesh, it, it responds to quitting, procrastinating, and failure. But I have to take authority over life because I'm controlling my life. And as Paul said, yeah, I remember how good it was. I'm going to get right back in the saddle and I'm going to start riding this horse again. I'm not going to continue to fall back. I'm not going to allow myself to rob myself of how I felt. I'm going to press in. I'm going to move forward. Do you guys got this? So let's recognize that. Listen, again, procrastination is going to rob you of the change. You want belief change. Let's not procrastinate. Let's start right now. Start right now. Start right now. And, and if it's needed, seven-minute program on whatever it is that you're starting with. Seven minutes a day. That's it. Time yourself. Do the seven-minute. Watch what happens. Be faithful on that, and it'll be a good thing, okay? Quitting. We're not quitting. We're going to persevere. We're going to persevere. Perseverance requires tribulation. Tribulation is pressure. That's all it is. It's the Greek word for bearing under pressure. Pressure can be anything from a light load to a heavy load, but it's not defined as anything but pressure. That pressure does what? It will either cause you to naturally, I quit, or you'll persevere. You're under pressure, but see, why would you persevere under pressure? Because what the script, this is James chapter uh, 1, 3, I think, 1, 3. It's 1, 3 or 4. And what he says is, and when you persevere, you mature. Become mature and lack in no area. woo If I got that picture, that little load don't mean a thing. That heavy load don't mean a thing. Why? Because I'm going to persevere. And if I persevere, fight through it, I'm going to be mature, complete, lacking nothing. I like that. You guys like that? Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the word of God. It is true. We believe this truth, and we have the expectation of transformation. Belief being changed. Life being changed. We are going to go out there today because today is a new day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a choice I make. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be focused in on the right way to think. And by doing that, I'll be able to go out into this life with a whole different mindset because it's tied to my choice. And my choices, I understand the empowerment of I am in authority of what I believe. So I'm going to take out bad belief and put in good belief. And this is what my life will be a representation of. And that is the transformation and change that Jesus said he went to the cross for me to have. So, Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for the opportunity of this great life given to us by Jesus' sacrifice. He endured the cross. He didn't quit. He didn't give up so that we could live a life of overcoming. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.
All right, y'all. Love you guys greatly. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you. Thank you.